Hello, I'm Christopher Lopez, and this is the StarCraft Observer. The show centered around the real-time strategy game StarCraft and its real stories from the community. We talk to artists, streamers, players, creators about their first encounter with the game and how it's changed their lives. When starting a podcast, I knew there'd be lots of variables to think about, such as where would I record? What equipment do I need to purchase? What type of mic do I need? What format will I be going for? How long will each episode be? And what podcast platform am I going to be hosted on? It was a little scary and intimidating at first, but thanks to the power of the internet, those questions were eventually answered. But one thing that I struggled with once I got my equipment and format figured out was design. Graphic design. An area that I had no expertise in and had zero clue as to how to go about it. Suddenly, I was overwhelmed by even more questions. What's my podcast going to look like? What color scheme? What font will I use? What size does this art need to be? And more importantly, who's going to design this? Just when you think you have it all figured out, more questions and problems pop up. Luckily, there was someone very talented I knew and encountered very early on. We both met while I was working on an article in the early days of the Strikeout Observer, back when it started off as a blog. During that interview, we dove into her background, and I really found her story of becoming a designer very inspiring and motivating. My next guest today constantly stays busy in the world of graphic design, and still manages to find time to fit streaming into her schedule. But there was one time when both of those worlds collided for a bit. Hey guys, how are you doing today? In this clip... You Welcome see that stream. she's getting this ready to stream, stream of the week? Yeah. warming up and engaging week. with her viewers. Oh my god, you guys, I can't. She's stretching her arms and she's oh, looking so a bit busy. exhausted too. So, so busy, which is honestly a good thing. That means that I have work to sustain all of this that I like to do. Uh, but also it's exhausting. <laughs> Especially when you thought you would have been done so, by now. And then it's as like... She's Speaking towards her viewers and expressing how tired she is from work, there's a ding. You can tell that she's doing her best to not get distracted by it. But eventually, she just gives in. And immediately, she's devastated. Oh no. Are you serious? And before our interview, I asked today's guest about this particular moment and what had just happened. I remember. So, so, yeah, like what? Now I remember. Wait, wait, let me just. Yeah, like what happened? Because like you were going into the stream, like Gunho, like I'm ready. Like I let's do this. Like I'm ready for a day of StarCraft. And all of a sudden your phone goes off and just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened? Okay. So <laughs> I was working in the in a design project at the time. Yeah. And it had dragged on for a very long time. There were like requests upon requests upon requests for like changes and, and like things and stuff. And I was ready to stream. Like I was like, I was just so ready. I was so on, I was so pumped. And then I get a text message that they need a change like, like right then and there. And I was like, Jesus. I was getting messages on a Sunday. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And, and, and I was like, yeah, this is still going on. <laughs> so it was the, like this particular project was like really challenging because like it's just every little thing was an emergency to them. Yeah. 
basically. Yeah. Sometimes people don't have a sense of the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. And just because email exists doesn't mean that you have to email on a weekend. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was very triggered by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The look on your face was like, please not now, please not now. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that. And that's my guest today, Alejandra, best known as Lex Grizzly. And for this episode, we'll refer to her as Lex. That's L-E-X. Lex is a graphic designer who has designed for many different people around the world and a couple of well-known figures in the StarCraft community as well, such as Maynard, Tempo, Apatri Zelda, the Banshees, and many, many others. In this interview, we talk about her early upbringings as to how she got into design, gaming, StarCraft, her early college years, and her career experiences as a graphic designer. So let's kick things off and take it back to when it all started. Back to when the creative gear started turning and what would eventually set her on the path to graphic design. At what age did you realize, like, hey, I'm, I'm actually good at this? Um, I was, I was always, like, since, since I was a kid, I was always very creative. Like, even in, the, even in the stories that I made up to play with my toys. And, and I guess that happened to me because I grew up around so many boys. Because I, when I played with other girls or when I hung out with other girls my age, when I was like five or, or six, I was just so bored. Because they, they, they were always playing to be adults in a way. Like, oh, let's, let's play house and let's like cook and let's just take care of babies. And I was like, but that's what everybody does. Like, what's the, what's the sense in playing to be that if you're eventually going to be that anyway? Like, why, why shouldn't we play to be something else? This is probably why a lot of girls freaked out when I played with them. Uh, because um, they were, I don't know, playing house or whatever. And I was like, wait, but why? Uh, I mean, what if our parents are secret agents? And, and we're like the kids staying at home and one day they disappear. And they were like, no. Like, like we just we just want to make a mud pie. Like, what's wrong with that? And I was like, but that's boring. Because you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, you can learn like from your mom to make pies. But, like, that's not. And they're actual pies that you can eat. So, what's the point of making mud pies? We can all be super spies. You know, that's a lot more fun. Uh, so I was I was always a, like a a crazily like creative and imaginative kid i've always lived in my head i never got bored lex grew up in the northern province of mexico a city along the southern border of california named tijuana here she had a bit of a tough upbringing not in the sense that life was difficult but because she had to be one of the boys i was the only girl uh, amongst the cousins and stuff um, so it was all about like playing soccer out of the street, playing dodgeball, fighting, pretending to be Power Rangers, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> so is that how you got introduced to uh, playing video games? My oldest cousins were the first ones to get a Nintendo Entertainment System in their house. Uh, so that's where I actually got introduced uh, to it. Do you remember the uh, first Super Nintendo game that you played? Yeah. Um... The first game that I played, like a game that I owned, it was a game of this character named Spawn. My cousin was really into like the comic books and like the McFarlane's uh, figurines and stuff. He had like all of these really cool statues. And I kind of, I was kind of like drawn into the very dark aesthetic of Spawn. 
And when I got the Super Nintendo, it was everyone was like, oh, well, what Mario game would you want to have with your Super Nintendo? I was like, no, I want the Spawn game. Like, like, like that stuff looks badass, you know? <laughs> so that was the first, that was the first game that I actually got. Um, I mean, now, now that I think about it, but the first time that I had a game console controller, there's actually a picture of it. I, I was three, and I was playing uh, The Lion King on a Sega Genesis. That game was so And hard. that was like, yeah, that, that was like the first control- controller that was actually hooked up to the console. They then let me play. But. Yeah, I uh, I got so frustrated with that game, especially. Uh, I remember a level where you had like... Uh, jump on the drafts heads and the drafts heads were really small so if you missed it by a yeah. little you had to start it was off. it was that the whole like song sequence thing like i just can't wait to be king yeah song sequence yeah, yeah. And, and yeah i remember that one <laughs> it was that one and uh, did you ever play aladdin oh of course uh, yes that the i think it was yeah the first level was a carpet ride or was yeah. it yeah that was super frustrating just getting out of that cave and trying to manage it <laughs> like i always had to have my brothers like play the hardest levels for me and yeah. once they got me past that i was like okay cool it's my turn now <laughs> yeah i i guess at some point like all of us like kids from like a similar that similar time period were into like games like disney themed games and they were actually pretty nice platformers like if you ask me then a few years later at the age of 12 her father would purchase the very first PC. And eventually, Lex would encounter her very first RTS. But there would be trouble in trying to get this game installed. And I remember him and, it, and another one of his like well, friends from work, they brought in like all the kids for like the weekend uh, sort of barbecue outing, whatever. And we were at home. And they bought this game and they were really excited about playing like a game. And I just watched them probably like sit on the computer for like an hour and a half. They couldn't get past the first menu of like installing. And and I was I was puzzled by it because I wasn't actually like looking at the computer. I was just looking at them like struggle with it. Eventually they gave up and they were like, well, we can't do it. I guess we need help. So uh, after they left uh, later that night, and my dad's usually the one who tells this story because he saw it firsthand. He went into like the computer area and he just saw me sitting at the computer and I was like super engaged in whatever was happening in the computer. Um, so he kind of like peeked over my shoulder and he saw me actually playing the game. And that game, for some of you that didn't recognize the sounds, was Age of Empires Gold Edition. Shortly after playing, Lex had a hunger for bigger and better RTS games. So every year, her family would travel to their grandmother's house in California. Once there, at the age of 13, Lex would constantly stop by a local GameStop at every chance she had, and head directly to the PC section to see the latest releases. She would pick up various games like The Settlers, Disciples, Populous, and many others. But there's one that stood out to her the most. I started looking like at all the pictures in the back of the box and there was like something related to strategy. There were strategy guides in it, which I was always a fan of. Like the first time that I saw a like magazine style thing only devoted to like a game, I was like, yeah, I'm sold on that. Let me buy that stuff. Uh, So I have I have the box with like the two guides. I have the original game and i i just looked i just perused through the entire thing a couple of times 
before actually playing the game because i i've always been a pragmatic human being it's not something that happened with age i was yeah i was a young pragmatic little kid so i went through the whole thing and i installed the game i started it and i i was i was on board i even have probably have the box oh wow so this was after uh brute war came out yeah and it was the starcraft battle chest oh yeah i remember that was my first purchase too yeah, so it's the, the StarCraft Battle Chest. I have it right here in my hands. But unlike many other stories, this didn't take her down the path to become the next pro gamer. Instead, she played the campaign, played against the AI, enjoyed the game for what it was, and moved on. She didn't play online much either because the internet at the time was not so great in Tijuana. So there was never a good solid internet connection for her to use, and the internet wasn't a big thing yet. Altogether, she eventually stopped playing, but three years later, there'd be a big announcement the announcement of StarCraft II. Now, 16 years old and living in the province of Guadalajara, Mexico, Lex's family would finally have a better internet connection. And with that, Lex got a new computer as well. She began to research StarCraft II more. And Lex began looking for all things StarCraft related. And around this time, YouTube was just becoming the newest thing, where people were sharing all types of videos. And naturally, she would stumble upon a variety of StarCraft eSports related videos. I... I couldn't believe it. Like the first, the first times that I watched all of those videos, and then I started like looking into like pro gamers. I couldn't believe it, and, and especially that I had that I hadn't known about it for so long. Like, what was your your reaction when you first saw that? Was it just like, oh my gosh, like this is a th- like? How, how'd you feel? Um. It's because uh, it's a it's a mixture of of excitement. Um, you're also like puzzled. Like it, it, there is a little bit of disbelief. Like holy crap! Like like what? I mean, it's actually like am I am I actually watching this right now? Uh, and then there was also this thing of like, huh? Like. I missed, I, I, like, I feel like I missed out on something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, were you determined to, like, you know, uh, play competitively or be the next, like, best player, like, after seeing that? So it's like, I think I can do this. I, I've, I, I'm going to confess something to you, Nish. I've, I've never been that person. Like, that person says, I'm going to be the very best. Oof, no, dude. The first thing that I say is, Oh, it would be very cool if I could play to that level, but maybe it would be very hard. I don't know. Her response to what I just asked, if she was determined to play competitively or become the next best player, it really caught me off guard and by surprise because all of us at some point or another had that dream. The dream of being the best at this game, joining an esports team, flying across the world to compete, and win the many, many tournaments that StarCraft had to offer. In fact, the dream was so strong in the early days that I remember seeing a thread on Team Liquid about a man asking if he should quit his job to pursue becoming a pro StarCraft II player, but faced the dilemma of having to support his family. And that's the kind of motivating and inspiring feeling that one would get at this time when StarCraft II had just released. So, I was curious to know when she became aware of this self-doubt. That seemed very uncommon to me. Yeah, and at what date, like, when did you become aware of that, like, of this thing that's happening where it's like i know i can be the best at this thing but i'm not too like what when did that happen i know um and that happened when i when i went into when i went into college that was like my first like big decision 
because I had uh, I had been well, like, considering different careers and I wasn't I, I was I wasn't sure uh, even like six months prior to actually graduating from high school I was still not sure and I and I talked to a lot of friends about how they were making their decisions and there were a lot of people that were just going into careers that felt safe there were a lot of my classmates that were going to careers because they had scholarships and um, getting here into like public university is really fucking hard especially like into a good public university it can take you like for example you want to go uh, at a good public university here for medicine there are people like that have been waiting for three years to make it in the list uh, because it's not just about it's not just about grades it's also about uh, connections it's about merit there are people that just make it because they're so good like they're prodigies basically so a lot of like average people that want to get into those careers have to wait a long time in order for it to happen and some people just give up or go into something that is less demanded uh, or they just stick to it and just wait for it uh so I, I was i was like okay so this is this is hard you know like this is a hard process uh my family was never was never like well off we actually had like some financial struggles throughout my life. Um, and I had to compete for a scholarship if I wanted to attend the university I wanted to attend to. So I was like, okay, if this is gonna be like a huge sacrifice, if we're all gonna put in the work, if I'm gonna have to maintain a scholarship, I might as well just do something that I like. Because otherwise it's just gonna be 10 times harder. And I was considering at that time communications the more adventurous part of me was considering music or even literature. And I, I went to a, like, you know, the high schools organize like college visits and you go get the tour, uh, you meet the people and uh, teachers and stuff. So I, there, there were no more spaces for communications because it was like everyone just wanted to go there. And I was like, okay, then what about design? Because I was always into like art. I had always been into like drawing and I, I liked, um, I don't know, I had like a very uh, like visual way about the world. And I was like, okay, so let's try, Let, let's see what this, the fuss is all about, about design. And I fell in love with it. Like I was, I was completely in love. Finally making her choice in pursuing graphic design, Grizzly would still have a long way to go. Making the choice was only the first battle, and what would come next is a series of obstacles that she would have to overcome, with only herself to rely on. Obstacles that will lead her to question her choice for studying graphic design, and putting her through tremendous amounts of stress, and eventually leading her to almost quitting it all together. More of that, coming up after the break. Hi everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast so far and would like to keep up with the StarCraft Observer, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter, where not only will you get updates about the latest episodes, but you also get to see some beautiful StarCraft-related fan art. Once again, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Ever found yourself wondering how you could improve your streaming experience? Need a new stream overlay? Need new emotes created for your subscribers to use? Or just all around need help getting something graphically designed? Well, now you can when you head over to www.grizzlygaming.mx. Grizzly Gaming can help you evolve, transform, and improve your project's overall look, feel, and design. We know because the StarCraft Observer has worked with Grizzly Gaming, and the experience was phenomenal. 
Not only were they 100% reliable, dependable, and easy to work with, they constantly gave you updates as to how your design's looking with fast and effective communication. You can also view their portfolio of past projects, what they've been working on, what games they've been playing, and read their latest blog, Road to Masters, where Lex Grizzly documents her latter experience on the Road to Masters League. To learn more about Grizzly Gaming, head on over to www.grizzlygaming.mx. That's www.grizzlygaming.mx. Welcome back. We left off with Lex coming up on a pivotal moment of her life. She had just discovered what career she wanted to study for in college. If you recall, she mentioned that the whole process for getting into the university that she wanted was very, very difficult. One of the reasons being that her family was struggling financially at the time, and the other, having to compete for a scholarship. So my school was given every year a like 100% scholarship, like full tuition scholarship. Um, the school decided whether or not they would uh, give the full scholarship to one recipient or have it split 50-50 between two recipients. Eight people made like the first cut because of their involvement in like academic activities and extracurriculars, uh, their grades. So I ended up among the top three, but I ended up in the third place, which means that I wouldn't get the scholarship. And I was devastated because of it. Then after three days of saying, you know what, maybe I'll just go to public university. It's not bad, but it's not the major that I want. It's more like industrial design kind of stuff, which I was not interested in, but whatever. The mom of the other kid who had ended up in the top two places was like, um, like, I, I want to have some coffee with you. This lady used to work in the school. So my mom went to the school, they had some coffee. And she was like, uh, I wanted to see you because uh, I wanted to tell you that my family is going to forfeit the scholarship. And my mom was like, why? And she was like, it's because of our financial situation. It was all or nothing. So if she didn't get the full scholarship, she was not going to go. Um, and I think, honestly, they had a very similar financial background to mine. But I think they were less willing. They had another kid who was like really close in age. Uh, to my classmate so they would end up at some point paying for college for two kids at the same time so so they were like we're gonna forfeit the scholarship i think alex deserves it but it was a matter of numbers in the end um and and i just uh, and i just wanted to tell you we we really appreciate like your family and alex has been really nice to my kid my mom wasn't the one who told me it was um it was another teacher and, and I was walking down the hallway and, and she was walking in the opposite direction. And she saw me and she was like, well, congratulations. And I was like, for what? And, she, and, and she told me, oh, haven't you heard you're getting the 50% scholarship? And I was like, are you, are you what? Like, but I, but I didn't, like, I didn't qualify. And, and they were like, well, the other family was in, all, in an all or nothing kind of situation. So they decided to forfeit it and to give it to someone who, who could actually attend. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was one of the, like the, I want to say the happiest, but I think the most relieving things in my life. It was just such a relief. With her newly earned scholarship that fate had just handed her, she'd go on to the university of her choice. She tells me that it's a five-year commitment for getting a degree in graphic design. 
And for the first two years, it was a breeze. She was passing one class after another. And Lex was really enjoying her time in this phase of her life. But despite having a scholarship, school was still expensive. She tells me that she can't ever recall making a payment on time. She would always have to put in a request for payment extensions, and it would get to the point where the university had to have her mom sign a waiver to agree to pay on time. The pressure was heavily building, and then her third year would come around, which almost led her to quitting graphic design altogether. I had this teacher who was tough. He had like this reputation to protect of, oh, I'm this like big kahuna of design and I'm like the toughest teacher and I know what's in and I know what's, what's going to be successful and what's not going to be. So he was really judgmental and he was really harsh. I think my first project was really successful with him. But then there was this one project where we had to design an app. It could be a game or it could be like a productivity app, but we had to design an app. We had to like fill out a format, the icon and the different screens uh, to show it off, to propose an app to the app store, which was a huge ass PDF uh, with a lot of like templates and stuff. So I decided to create a game. In the end, when he checked my project, he was like, I, I'm just really disappointed. Like you said, you were a gamer and, and you did so well in your first project. And I don't see that here. I was so crushed by that. Because I was like, well, yeah, I, I'm so passionate about video games. Like, I, I, I understand this and I, and I live this every day and I did the best that I could. And now this person is questioning, questioning me really key components of my identity, you know? which is really hard to take. I had had uh, like harsh teachers in the past, but it was that thing, you know, about like, well, you said this and, and I don't see it, you know? And oh, dude, that hurt. <laughs> so he tells you that, you know, I don't see any of these gaming aspects in this application. Like, I'm really disappointed. What happened after? Did you go home? Like, what'd you do? Well, it was a it was a it was a class that back then was a four hour class. So if this happens in the first hour, I just had to endure the next three, you know, of just like like listening to him talk about like how disappointed he was in everyone's work, that there were only like two projects that he thought had like real effort in them. And I just had to like swallow three hours of that. I would call it the breaking point because then that entire class just started spiraling out of control for me. This project was like two months in and I still had the rest of the semester. So for each subsequent project, I had so much self-doubt. I felt very fragile in that, in that sense and I hated that. Like, this is my thing, you know? This is the thing that I, that I spent hours reading about. And the thing that I spent hours doing, but in referring to both design and gaming, like I spend so much hours on this. I practice so much. I do like projects on my own just to like test myself and like, like to hone my skills. But then I, I, I got to his projects and I, and I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. The moment of truth came the day that was like my last day of classes. And I knew that I, had, um, that I had a grade decent enough to not fail the class. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to show up for the last class. He's just going to give grades. I know exactly what my grade is. 
So damn, I'll, I mean, I'll be damned if I ever show up at that classroom ever again. So I was, I, I was in my mom's car and we were driving out of town because it was, it was for winter break at that time. Uh, so we were driving out of town and then I get a call from one of my friends in the class. And he was like, dude, you have to come here. And I was like, why? He told me, he's threatening with failing the people who didn't come to get their grade. And I was like, are you kidding? So I, I had to ask my mom to drive back for 30 minutes just to get there. And, 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 I, and I got there and, and he was like, oh, I thought you weren't going to come. And I was like, well, you threatened to fail us. So here I am. And did you tell him that? Yeah, I told him that. Like, well, you're threatening to fail me. So here I am. What's the issue? Like, I know what my grades are. And he just gave me the grade that, that, I, that I knew that I had. This was, this was already a long time ago. But after four years of being a teacher, I was like, that's the shittiest kind of teacher that you could possibly encounter. Like, that they, they, they feel so, like, important that despite reality, they'll threaten you if you don't show up just to be humiliated. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was... It was a tough year. So, so when you when you passed that class, was it uh, a relieving moment that you were just like, I don't have to deal with this? Oh my god, oh, that was the best vacation ever because of how well I slept, knowing that I passed that class. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she did get no key grade, the thought of not being able to ace this class with ease haunted her, because it was said that this specific teacher was one of the best, apparently. And if you had trouble getting through his course, you were not considered to be a great graphic designer. Lex tells me that she was so ashamed that she didn't tell anyone about her grade or how she did in the class for fear of being judged by the other students at the university. But it wasn't all doom and gloom for Lex. She found the will to keep going and would finish up her last years of college. It would all be thanks to this one project. You found that uh, that will deep down inside, and you kind of like turned this self doubt into like fuel in a sense. Like you took all those like fears, and um, you you made it happen. Like you brought it to fruition. Um, what was your moment of of realization where you're just like, you know what, I I am made for this. This is this is the right choice. Like what was that moment? It was on my ninth semester this class was called design viability which was basically how are you going to make design as a profession and as a product or as a service a viable thing and i created this small uh, game development studio and uh, i created the whole uh, branding for it i made these amazing t-shirts like for the team and stuff and i created this um sort of like hypothetical business um, but i actually approached a teacher who had a business of his own uh, like a design agency and he was really good at the uh at the business side of things and i was like if i really wanted to make this thing happen what would it imply financially so we went over like how to create projections and how to talk about budgeting and how to talk about salaries and how to talk about all these things. I didn't just have really nice branding. Uh, I also approached a friend who was an architect 
and we made some renders of what the studio would look like because I had like these like this really clear idea in my mind. Um, and I also had like the whole business plan. So when I presented that, because you were supposed to, okay, so you were supposed to have that. But obviously a lot of people just, oh, well, we're going to be like 30 people and we're going to do amazing work and here's our branding. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, how are you going to pay those people? You know, <laughs> How are they going to be there working for Coca-Cola? Like you don't even know how much they're going to earn, you know, like what the hell? So I, I went through uh, like the trouble of creating all of this and I made an, an awesome presentation uh, for it. And the teacher was like, damn, like, you know, I was expecting it to be, you know, flashy on the visual side and mediocre on the business side, but this is like really well-rounded. And, and I was like, of course, I even asked my mom, my mom's a real estate agent. So I was like, listen, mom, I need this space for my studio. How much is it like the rent for a space like that? You know, how much is it? How much would I have to pay uh, a friend per year? Or should I acquire a property? You know, should that be part of my initial investment? And I actually talked to her about it. So when we did the renders of the studio, it was a real place. We just like took pictures of it. And a friend of mine like helped me uh, model on AutoCAD. Uh, like the furniture and because I, I wanted like uh, like the workspace to be distributed in a certain way and it's so that you know like work environment yada 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 uh, so I did all of that and I presented it and I was so proud <laughs> yeah you're, you're, you're telling me a story and it's like you know this this project that saved a pivotal moment in your life like you met all these other designers too in the process, you know, and they helped you bring this to fruition. And because of this successful thing, you stayed with it. Like you, you believed in yourself. This was that moment of like, yeah, I was made for this. Yeah. And in a way it saved me. Yeah. Wow. Through this careful planning of creating a design company, constantly executing the next steps, being able to see the results, bringing people together, asking for help, and seeing stuff get done by her own will reaffirmed her that she was indeed cut out for this line of work. Lex would go on to finish college with a degree in graphic design. Congrats, Lex. Soon after graduation, at 22, she began to freelance in order to build up a solid portfolio. Eventually, she would encounter an agency that would place her into her very first job, which she tells me was the most sole, annihilating job and the last at a law and accounting firm. It was normal office hours, 9 to 5, but it was a very competitive environment and where nobody was your friend. I know, it's a terrible place to work at. This new job would take her into corporate branding, where she would be designing logos and websites and would eventually hand off that work to a group of programmers. But the problem with this was that these designs were not for the law firm itself. Rather, they were for companies that didn't even exist. The, the thing is that for their like tax planning, also known as let's find better ways of not paying that many taxes, they created companies that would provide service for their main company to get like tax deductible expenses, but all the money went to the same place. So I did all the corporate design and branding for those companies. So it was just me 
a couple of programmers that run like all the websites of all the different like services and products and whatever, and just a bunch of accountants and lawyers. Was this uh, was this normal practice, like to like create these fake companies and like funnel this money and then? To I have no idea. <laughs> like, I mean, for uh. me, it doesn't. It sounds a little bit sketchy, but I, I guess if these companies actually exist and have like a tangible operation and they're just under the same owner, uh-huh. then I guess there's nothing illegal about it. Right, you know? right. But, but it still sounds kind of sketchy. I have to talk to one of my lawyer friends and see what they say. <laughs> yeah, like, ask them. I, I would be really curious. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, my gosh. So um, you're creating all these, like, fake logos for, like, these fake companies. Like, how, how are you? It was so like, depressing. Really? It's just because it's like, you know, like, this is just going to go to, like, a fake company and it's not going to do anything. Exactly. Like, it's... Uh... It was super weird because, you know, like there's there were there were a group of like owners or like there was a board of directors of this firm. And each of them was the owner of one of these fake companies as well, or like these additional companies. Um, So, for example, whenever I did business cards for one company, they were all there were also business cards for one of the board members. because he was the owner of the company or he was like the one uh, who had registered the the company or the brand on in his name or whatever um and a lot of this a lot of this work was just so cold it was so it was soulless because they were like well it's gonna have this name and the logo has to be kind of like this so here's a couple of samples of what we want to just make something that's very similar to that but it's not entirely the same because obviously we're going to register it so, yeah, so I would just, like, spend hours playing around with the placement of squares or circles or pyramids or whatever. It was terrible. And, and, and I actually, th- there had been a designer before me, but he had quit the job for a better job. And one time I was going through, like, the editable files for, um, for the logos that he was making for them. And I realized that they were all watermarked. Oh shoot! So he was taking other people's work. He was he was okay. So this is what he was doing. He was buying really cheap, really generic stock logos, editing the files in his computer, and then those ended up being logos for the companies. Whoa! So he wasn't doing any design work then. Like he was just no. He was just editing stuff. It was it was so crazy. But oh my gosh. the work was so monotonous and the, the real creativity was so worthless to them that this guy just cracked it. He was like, I'm just going to get some stock logos. They're never going to search like stock logo uh, websites. They don't even know those things exist. Yeah. And these are fake companies so, too. So nobody's going to use them. Or nobody's going to yeah. see them. Yeah. I actually made that discovery because I had nothing to do. Like, I had no tasks assigned. No more companies were being created. There were no new projects. So I was just there uh, spending my time in Code Academy, learning how to code. I was spending there, like, watching tutorials of things that I didn't didn't know how to do on Photoshop. I was just, like, messing with Illustrator, see the kind of stuff that I could do. I was doing digital painting because I had a tablet 
provided by them, which I never used. I don't know why they would spend money uh, on a Wacom tablet if, like, the design tasks were so simple and so basic. But they, uh, I mean, they, like, really wanted it to be, like, super flashy. But honestly, it was just, there was no point. Like, it, it was just, a, like, a waste of money. And, 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 I, and I thought, like, my position here is a waste of money. And I mean, at least like I'm here trying to do a good job, uh, and 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 I mean doing my job actually, uh, but this is unnecessary. Like this is too expensive for them. And this is you telling them this, that, like you guys don't need a designer. Yeah, like I I had a like I had a meeting with, um, with the the HR person the day that my contract got terminated, and they were like, yeah, because we 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 think. Uh, we think that maybe an in-house designer is not in our best interest. And, and I was like, absolutely not. This is too expensive for you. You know what? Here's my piece of advice as a designer. Commission the work or buy stock logos. And she was like, what's a stock logo? And I was like, you know, but you don't know. <laughs> you know, because you've used them, but you don't know because you didn't know you used them. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, you can, you can buy those things online for like $5 and and just run with it. Nobody's going to see it. No, nobody. Yeah, I mean, you don't need something super unique because these companies don't even matter in terms of like having a presence or like a brand presence outside of it. it doesn't matter. So I was like, yeah, my like my position is pointless. Wow. So it was that bad there for you to muster up the energy to. T- I didn't give two cents for that job. Like by, by the end of it, I was just so fed up. There were people. Okay. So this is this is a very. This is a very tough story for me to tell. That job was the first time that I realized what a soul-crushing job was, and that was the first time that I witnessed sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there was this one time where I decided to leave late because I wanted to finish some stuff before my work hours ended, and there used to be this girl who was really nice. She was really sweet. Uh, she was really good looking, really attractive, and she worked in the finance department. So my boss's dad was a doctor, and he would visit the the firm from time to time because I think he was a shareholder there. Like my workspace was like at a higher level, overlooking uh, the finance department, like from a window, like it was like a glass wall. So I, I could see like the entire finance department in the lower level. And the guy suddenly came in and this girl was there alone and he like took her by the hand and said something to her and, and she like scurried like out of that room, like pretending like to say like, oh, I have some stuff to do or whatever. And he like chased her and he got too close and he like tried to hug her and then she like pushed him away. And I was so scared because he, I, I guess he thought she was alone. And if he would have turned, he would have seen that I was there and that I was witnessing the whole thing. So I remember I was so scared. I just went into the bathroom and I sat there for like 20 minutes. Like what, what was going through your mind? I was very scared at first. But after, like when I came out, I felt so powerless and I felt so ashamed because I was like, maybe I should have like walked down there and said something, or maybe I should have, uh, 
walked out there and pretended I didn't know they were there and just called her and said, hey, we were going to have lunch or just just pretend something, you know, like just help her out or get her out of it. But at that moment, I was so scared. And I was like, sometimes I'm here alone. Like, what if he realizes that I'm here and then he targets me? Like, what am I going to do? So a, a lot of things went through my head. Like whenever, whenever someone t- talks about sexual harassment in the workplace, I always remember that moment. And I'm like, dude, like with people who, who talk about like, well, why, why, why don't people say something when, when it happens? And I'm like, dude, you don't know what to do. You know, you don't like, you don't expect to see it and then like feel threatened by it as well. And having this like conflict that should I intervene or should you, I just like hide or what, like, what should I do? Like, I have no idea how to react to that. Um, and I mean, it was, um, I guess, my self-preservation instinct at the time was uh, had like a higher priority. And I mean, I was I was 22. She was probably she was probably the age that I am right now. Uh, so I was like 22. I was fresh out of college. Like I had no idea. I had never seen something like that. Like I had heard about it. I knew that it happened, but I had never seen it. I had never witnessed it, and I had never. Uh, been affected by it directly um, because it does do something to you like when i when i when I saw what was going on i I, I kind of like couldn't process it you know I was like i i don't know what's going on, but this looks so inappropriate and it's making me so uncomfortable it's making me feel so unsafe right now uh, so it like kind of like your fight or flight comes in. Just to put things into perspective, this traumatic experience happened a month before she would leave. So during that one month's time, Lex always made sure to keep an eye on that coworker, especially when the boss's dad was in the office. When she left, Lex contacted that same coworker a week after via Skype to see how she was doing and to thank her for always being kind. As it turned out, she too had left the company to work for another financial department for a hotel. And she tells Lex that she's loving her new workplace and that she's happier there. Finally at ease and being able to move on to bigger and better things, Lex would land her dream job where, in her own words, design makes a difference. At an institution that did community outreach. At first, she didn't really know how her design skills would be able to contribute, but over time she slowly began to see the bigger picture and realized just how much of an impact she would be making here. Her design skills were finally being used for a big cause. She was designing pamphlets, games, and different types of health information to raise awareness for migrants of low-income families that worked on farms who were coming from the deeper parts of southern Mexico to its northern region. Overall, the project was a success, and eventually things would come to a close, this time on good terms. Soon after, Lex would begin to stream on Twitch. It would be here that she would encounter other streamers who were playing StarCraft 2 and who also shared the same passion for the game. She quickly realized something, though. While observing her favorite streamers she saw an opportunity. I used to like watch other streamers content and stuff. And I was like, you know what? You could really use like logos or you could really use some stream graphics. Cause I mean, you play really well, but honestly, this, this just doesn't look any, uh, like, like anything special or it won't set you, set you apart from anyone. Uh, and I, I remember the way that I started that it was, I approached three streamers that I really liked. They were all like small, medium sized streamers, nothing too big. It wasn't very ambitious. And I just told them like, you know what, uh, I want, I'm a graphic designer. I focused on this. 
and I want to do this, but I know that I don't have anything to show for uh, it other than what I've done for myself. So why don't I do this same thing for you for free? And that can set me up to start a portfolio. And they said yes. And one of them was Koshki, actually. I was really excited when Koshki said yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is what I wanted. <laughs> That's excellent. With her three favorite StarCraft 2 streamers booked as clients, she would soon find herself catapulted into the design world of streams, creating overlays, banners, brands, logos, icons, and emotes, those custom emoji-like characters that you would see in a stream's chat. She would find herself doing more and more design work for a variety of different streamers, and for a few notable figures in the community, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Mm, Tempo is one of them. I did a couple of uh, emotes for his channel. He's a pleasure to work with. Like... He's just like a genuinely nice person. So he was like, I need two emotes. I need these themes. Go crazy. Um, so I, I had like total freedom to do that. I also did the Twitter header for Maynard. That was also a really nice project. He's super approachable, super nice, very down earth guy. So um, those two projects actually have been like, some of the easiest projects that I've ever done, because I, I think that as uh, like as StarCraft professionals and as people, they have like a really uh, clear understanding of who they are and what they want, and that's just very easy to work with. Right, as opposed to like somebody figuring out their brand in the beginning. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, and it has its challenges, and it's obviously fun because of them, uh, but it's very different. It's very different how uh, how things. Um, develop with them. Her eye for design, detailing, and producing wonderful overlays is absolutely incredible. And not only was she building a clientele along the way, but she was solidifying trust and creating friendships. Her hard work would lead her to create another bigger project that anyone can find on Twitch, the StarCraft II profile extension. A Twitch extension that gives viewers information on the streamer's win and loss ratio, league information, MMR, and displays nicely within the Twitch page. It's an extension that she helped design for the talented mastermind behind it, Lucas Wojcik, or better known as Luca Messi on Twitter. Hi, Lucas. And thinking back to all of it, it all started by doing work for free for three of her favorite streamers. You mentioned that you were designing for these three streamers for free. Is that like um, kind of like the step that every designer usually takes? I, I don't know necessarily if that's how everyone does it. Uh, that's how I decided to do it. Um, the thing is that sometimes when they like when clients approach you and they see that you don't have like a ton of experience, they'll try to get work for free uh, as of saying like, um, oh, well, if you do this for me, I'll promote your work. So you'll get like advertising in exchange, right? Uh, but for me, it was like, okay, I'm a graphic designer and I have this background in branding and like doing commercial work, but I've never done graphic design for streaming before. And I do know that whenever you want to approach an industry, um, it's important for them to feel that you know what they're about, you know, that you know what their, uh, what their market is, what their audience likes, what their game is even. Uh, so I started with my graphics, but I was like, well, it's different when you work for yourself because you know what's inside your head. So it's very easy to translate that. 
But in this case, I, I wanted to like prove to people that I wasn't just a good graphic designer, but that I understood um, the needs, at least at that moment, of StarCraft players, which was what I focused on um, during my like first year of work. Uh, I wanted people to know that I understood StarCraft and that I was a player. Like every time that uh, that another iteration of StarCraft II came out, I would be very mindful of just taking screenshots in game of the consoles and just learning them by heart. Like I know those things by heart. Uh, I know exactly uh, their proportions. I know the sizes. I know that I, I know that there are, uh, there's a high level of artistry there because there's things that are not symmetric. There's things that are not exactly the same size. Uh, there's, for example, when you look at the at the hotkey um, the hotkey spaces. Uh, the little rectangles there, they're not all the same. They're not all the same width. It kind of looks like they are because this is a cohesive kind of uh, piece within the game's uh, interface, but they're not exactly the same because they, they're they done uh, more as illustrations as opposed to um, these um, very, I don't know, like as opposed to in a technical way, let's say. And for example, there was this one time that I was designing for a team and I had to make uh, the console overlays uh, for all the different races. So they had like a different race icon and they had some like, like things that would distinguish them one from the other. And um, there was this one time, do you remember that above the, above the mini map window, uh, there's a couple of windows there for uh, like workers, like the worker hotkey and idle worker hotkey and the army hotkey as well. Uh, so for the Protoss one, I added a third window and I sent all of them and someone noticed that. Like, why is there a third window in, on this one? And I was like, oh, it's because Protoss, when they research warp gate, they'll have an extra window once the warp gates are active, which is something that both Terran and Zerg don't have. And it was, it was, a, it was a master's level Protoss player. And he was like, I had never noticed that. And I was like, I know. <laughs> That's my job to notice. It's your job to be good and I have to think about the game. As more and more work is put out into the world, awareness for her design brand is increasing. Grizzly Gaming, which consists of Grizzly, as we already know by now, Polaris, another designer and producer, and a programmer that goes by the name of ACM, which they all help contribute towards Grizzly Gaming. And looking at the website, you get a glimpse as to who they are, what services they offer, and most importantly, their portfolio. And you really can't help but get the feeling that this is a professional business of some sort. And I noticed that you have this thing called Grizzly Gaming. Is is that the name of your business? Is what like what what is that? Um, that for me is, I guess it's like my flag. You know, it's 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 my logo. It's it's my banner for the battles of everyday gaming life. Um, and I mean, there's like this uh, inside thing with like me and Polaris and like the the bear concept and Grizzly and Polaris and, and all that stuff. Uh, so because I was starting this project, I decided to call it Grizzly Gaming. Um, so yeah, for me right now, it's like, it just represents like my passion project, like something that I really wanted to do and that I actually uh, pushed myself to do it. 
and that it's there. Yeah. So it's 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 like your your um, your your streaming brand. Yeah, okay. it's my streaming brand. Okay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, because I was just like Grizzly Gaming. I'm not sure if this is her business. Like, I, I don't know. And I mean, right now, do you are are you running a business? Because um, I'm not sure. Like, how how are you going about design work? Is it just like you're finding these clients or like word of mouth? Like, yeah. Like, is it are you are you running a business? I I like to think so. Um, I think I am in the sense that. Um, I do have an income from it. It does involve planning. Um, I've many a times thought about um, retiring it for good as like any business owner would probably have um, when they're starting a business. And I treat it as a business. Like, uh, Like for me, missing streaming days is like, ugh, I don't want to do it, you know? Um, and then there's, I mean, I, I put a lot of, a lot of dedication and hard work into design commissions and they know they come from Grizzly and yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, I mean, I guess I would call it a small business, but yeah, I do treat it as a business. And outside of running a business and streaming, she lenders herself a steady job teaching English, which she devotes most of her time to. And if you haven't noticed by now. Lex's English is very good. In fact, her English is so good that one person has a tough time believing she is from Mexico. There's this, um, I have a student this year, and he was like, well, the teacher is also from the U.S. And I'm like, no, I'm not from the U.S. He was like, there's no way. Like, are you Mexican? And I was like, yeah. He was like, wait, but you must have lived in the U.S. at some point. And I was like, I've never spent time in the U.S. for more than a month. (sighs) And he was like, that is impossible. <laughs> and to this day, he doesn't believe me. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> it just came out of like an obsession with sound. Like two circumstances coming together. Very random stuff. That kid's just like, there's no, nah, she's a spy, dude. Like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. She probably works CIA, man. <laughs> like, Influencing our government. She's just like... This is just a cover-up, you know? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Thank you, Lex, for doing this interview and sharing your story. Thank you for allowing me a chance to speak with you and for being a big inspiration to the StarCraft Observer. You can get more information about Lex via her website, grizzlygaming.mx. More information in the podcast show notes below. Outro music by the talented Televangel. Head on over to their band camp or YouTube. You can also find Televangel on Spotify. More details about Televangel in the podcast show notes. Until next time, friends. Thank you very much. <laughs>